Well, as you, as you know, probably today is the first day of Advent, and earlier we lit the hope candle here. And uh, Advent simply means the arrival. You know, if you're like me, I didn't grow up in a liturgical culture. I grew up in the church, but we didn't have like any kind of like um, historical church liturgy. And so when I started getting introduced to this, uh, these traditions, I found a lot of rich meaning in them. And so, you know, that's why I'm explaining it to you. Some of you are like, why is he telling us what Advent means? Doesn't everybody know that? But not everybody does. I mean, I I would hear about it growing up, but I didn't really have a a lot of the great meaning. But it just means the arrival. Well, the arrival of who? The arrival of the Messiah, of the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus. Amen? Amen. And every Advent season, we reenter the story and we remember the events that led up to and culminated to the coming of our Savior. We, we celebrate all that God did during that time, a couple thousand years ago, but we also remember and realize that we are currently living in a different kind of Advent season, where we are waiting for the return of our Messiah. And this is such a rich tradition that the church has been observing at least since the 5th century. So that's kind of a cool thing, that it not only does Advent, uh, it, re- it helps us remember and reenter the story, but it also connects us with the church globally and with the church throughout the ages. And I think that's a wonderful thing, too. And I know some of you, when you hear the word tradition, you kind of get hung up on that sometimes because maybe you grew up in some traditions, and it, it just it kind of seemed lifeless. But, you know... The, the truth is, is that we all love traditions. We all love our own traditions, at least, you know? And there's no reason to get hung up on that because traditions are important because they remind us of great truths. That's why traditions exist in the first place. Think about, think about why God instituted the feasts. You know, the seven feasts? You got the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement. And, of course, the Feast of of Tabernacles. And so all these feasts are traditions that were instituted by God to remind his people of the great truths. What great truths? Of who he is, of who we are, of what he has done, and what he will do. And so whether it be any of the feasts or whether it be some other Christian traditions and celebrations like Christmas or Lent, or Easter, or even of your own personal traditions, when we stop focusing on why we're doing them, and we focus on just what we're doing, that's when those traditions can sometimes become rote, and boring, and meaningless. Or sometimes, when we focus on the what of the tradition, we actually make an idol out of it sometimes, some of us. Some of us, some people are so, they they idolize the tradition, the what, more than the why. And so we've got to keep focused on why we do what we do. We've got to keep focused on why we do what we do. Another special trait about traditions is that ultimately traditions are about legacy. That's why they exist. The best traditions are about something significant that happened and then purposely and intentionally doing particular things to perpetuate the impact of that significant thing that happened. That's what legacy is all about, right? Legacy is about making a difference that outlives you. And so as we celebrate this first Sunday of Advent, 
I think it's really cool that we're right here in the middle of this series on legacy. I think it's incredibly significant that we're talking about legacy. Why? Because Advent is about Jesus. And we're here today because we're part of Jesus' legacy. And we are continuing to live out his legacy. And we are continuing to perpetuate his legacy so that those who come behind us will know about the legacy of Jesus. Amen? Last week, we talked about our motivation for legacy. And our motivation for legacy is eternity. Why should we be concerned about leaving a legacy? Why should we be just thoughtful about that? Because eternity is our home. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about our mothers and fathers in the faith. And this is what it says in verse 13. We'll revisit this here. It says, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do that? Well, they saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. See, these people knew that eternity was their home. They knew that eternity was their home, and they knew that it was more important for them to invest their lives, not into just the dot, but into the line. So we've got this rope here. We used this illustration last week. This rope here, it goes all the way that way, it goes all the way this way, and it it represents a timeline of eternity. Right here on this side, this is all of eternity past. It goes as far as the eye can see back into the past. Right here, this side of the rope is eternity future. And it goes as forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. (laughs) And here right here is this part of the rope. This section of the rope represents all of human history. And here you and I are right here at this very little last part in this tiny little dot. And so many of us, we get so worked up, we get so caught up, we get so carried away with what is happening here in this little dot. But what those folks in Hebrews, those men and women in Hebrews 11, what they did is they didn't just invest into the dot, they invested into what was most important. We, we think, we think what, what do I have? What do I drive? What am I wearing? What do I look like? Where do I live? What's in my portfolio? What do people think of me? We get so carried away about investing into the dot, we forget what actually really matters, what's going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And so we've got to learn what makes the most sense. It's not to just invest our lives into what makes a difference right here, but what's going to make a difference and last for all of eternity. Amen? Now, I understand some of you might be thinking... Well, J.D., you know, I, I, all this talk about legacy, it sounds really good. It sounds great, but my resources are limited. I don't really think I can make that much of a difference in the world. My education is limited. I don't really have that much. My past is so messed up. You don't, you don't even know how messed up my past is. I, I don't think I can make that much of a difference in the world. And you know what? For a lot of us, for a great number of us, we may not be able to make that big of a difference in the world, but we absolutely, certainly, without a doubt, can make a gigantic difference in our world, in your world, your sphere, what God has given you influence over. You may not be able to make a difference in the world, but you can make a difference in your world. Jude 22 tells us that we can simply make a difference just by having compassion. Compassion. 
So it's not about it's not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I believe God, if we're all doing our own little part to make a difference in our world, I believe God can use us collectively together to make a difference in the world. So what I want to do today is I want to give you some tools. I want to give you some tools to help you build a legacy. I want to give you some tools to invest into the line and not just the dot. How many of you guys like tools? Yes. Come on, yeah, I, like every guy just kind of shot their hand up right now, you know. You, you say tool and on the inside of every guy comes this like Tim Allen grunt. <laughs> you know. Some, what is it? Gets you excited about having good tools. But you know what? If the tools just sit in the toolbox, if the tools just sit on the bench, all they are is expensive paperweights, right? You got to go to the bench. You got to go to the toolbox. You got to pull them out and you actually have to do something with them. That's what James says. James 1.22, James tells us that we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We've actually got to do the things that we talk about here. It's not good enough for us to come in here, hear God's word, talk about how our lives fit into God's plan, and then walk out of here and not do anything about it. It does us no good. If we only talk and we don't do, then James says that we're actually worse off because we've deceived ourselves. And then he continues on in James chapter 2, verse 17, and he says that faith without works is dead. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be deceived. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have faith that is dead. I want to be alive. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a doer. I want to have a faith that's alive. Amen? And so let's go to the tool bench, and let's get some tools, and let's start building a legacy. I'm going to give you seven tools today. There's a, there's a whole bunch of tools that are going to help you leave a legacy, but let's talk about seven tools today that can help us build a legacy. The first one is this, a sense of humor. You're like, huh, hmm, I didn't see that coming. You need, a sense of, you need a sense of humor if you're going to build a legacy. You need a sense of humor. And when I say a sense of humor, I'm not, talking, I'm not saying that you need to be good at telling jokes. Although that is a really great... Russell, you can just come up here and take the rest of the service. You can teach on this point. I, that's not what we're talking about. But what I am saying is that you need to have the ability to laugh. You need the ability to laugh. You need to be, uh, the ability especially to laugh at yourself. And then sometimes you need the ability to laugh at people. And I don't mean like laugh at people like, ha, 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 you know. But like, you know, people are funny. Instead of just getting so worked up and uptight all the time, sometimes you just need to laugh it off. And it's, it's going to help you. It's going to help you. If you don't think people are funny, just go look in the mirror. <laughs> if you still don't believe me, then just turn and look at the person next to you. <laughs> Come on, y'all know that's funny. Everybody's all uptight in here. This is Advent. <laughs> you need a sense of humor. Why do you need a sense of humor? Because you're going to be out there and you're going to be living a legacy and you're going to be sowing seeds of legacy and you know what's going to happen? You're going to come up against unpleasantries. You're going to come up against adversity and you're going to need to know how to laugh. Proverbs chapter 17, 22 says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. 
And we need a sense of humor. We need the ability to laugh because it does our soul good. It's the way God designed it. If you're going to build a legacy, the second tool that we need is a compelling dream. We need a compelling dream. A compelling dream will lift you out of yourself into another self that is greater than yourself. I know that some of you here, you've got dreams that are so big. They're dreams that are so big, they're so audacious, that you're almost afraid to tell anybody because you're afraid what people might think. You're afraid that people might laugh at you. You're afraid that people might scoff at you. But I know that you would give everything to see your dream come true. You would give everything that you have. You'd give everything that you are. You'd even give your own life if you knew without a doubt that your dream wasn't just your dream, but it was God's dream. Some of you are like, well, how do I know if it's God's dream? That's a good question. One of the questions to ask yourself is, is this dream bigger than me? Is this dream bigger than me? That if this dream was accomplished, if it came true, would everybody know, oh, that, that just wasn't Kevin. That was God. And let me ask you this. Who gets the glory and the honor for your dream? Is it you or is it God? Another way that you can be sure if it's God's dream is if you can't let it go. If you can't let it go. You know, when you first get a dream, you get excited. And you, and, and you hang on to that dream with tenacity. But a- after time, dreams can be elusive. Dreams can be elusive. And you're thinking, man, things are not working out the way that I thought they would. And you start to let go of that dream a little bit. But here's the thing, if it's a God dream, it won't let go of you. Listen, discouragement comes. Naysayers come. People say, well, we, we, we can't afford that. People say, well, that's never been done before. We've never done it that way before. But if it's a God dream, then the voices of the naysayers will fade into the background. Something else that comes with every God dream is delay. Delay is attached to every God dream. Why is that? I mean, if it just happened overnight, then it would take no faith whatsoever, right? right? It would take no faith. And so delay comes, but delay can be the thing that makes your heart sick more than anything. It can make your heart ache. But remember what God spoke to the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, he said, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. If it's a God dream, you can't let it go, and it won't let go of you. I know some of us, we've been praying, we've been believing, we've been waiting for those dreams to come true. Some of us for decades. Some of us for what seems like a lifetime, and it still hasn't come true yet. And your heartache seems unbearable at times. I want you to rest in this. On that day where you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the question is asked to you. What did you do with what I gave you? Listen. All you'll have to be responsible to answer for. Is what you had. You're not going to be made to answer for what you didn't have. 
You're only going to have to answer for the opportunities that were given to you. You're going to only have to answer for the measure of faith that you had. You're only going to have to answer for what you did with the amount of talents that you were given. Sometimes I struggle with this personally. Sometimes I look at what I've been given, and I think, man, I feel like I'm the two-talent guy. I wanted to be the five-talent guy. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't be worried about that. Be worried about with what I gave you. If you're worried about what you don't have, then you're not doing what you should with what I've given you. I don't need to worry about not having three more talents. I need to worry about the two talents that he did give me. What am I doing with those? That's what I need to be focused on. I don't need to be focused on what I don't have. I need to be focused on what the Lord gave me responsibility over. Amen? Amen. Listen, at the end of your life, if your dream never gets completely realized in the way that you thought it should, that does not necessarily mean that it was not a God dream. I'm reminded of Daniel. I'm reminded of the prophet Daniel. Daniel's legacy could be found in his prayer life, which was consistent and persistent. Daniel's persistence in prayer is so remarkable. The reason it was so remarkable is because he knew that his dream of rebuilding Jerusalem, he would never get to see it with his own eyes. He prayed toward that city that he knew that he'd never see with his physical eyes, but he saw it with his spiritual eyes. Daniel never stopped dreaming. He never stopped praying big. He knew that his prayers wouldn't be answered for 70 years. He prayed with a sense of urgency about something that wasn't urgent. You want to be able to stand, this is what you want. You want to be able to stand before Jesus someday and simply answer, Jesus, I did everything that I possibly could to see your dream come true. I prayed, I believed, I had faith, I served, I worked, I gave everything that I had, everything that I am, I gave it to your dream. I walked through every single door that the Holy Spirit opened to me. And if you can stand before the Lord and say that, then you don't have to worry about, did I fulfill God's dream for my life? You can rest in that. You can have peace. But in the meantime, if you've got breath in your lungs, keep dreaming, keep believing, keep working, keep serving, keep having faith, keep going after the dream. The third tool that we need in order to build a legacy is that we need to make every day a masterpiece. Every single day is a blank canvas to paint on. Every single day, we have this opportunity to paint a masterpiece with the way that we love and serve others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we can just have all the goosebumps and all the feels. No. There's a purpose. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God's already made you into his masterpiece. You don't have to wait. You're already. He looks at you and he says, no, no, no. I've created, Jeff, I've created you anew in Christ Jesus. You're already a masterpiece. Go for it. 
And every single day, we have this opportunity to paint a masterpiece with the way that we love and serve others by doing the things that he planned for us long ago. Amen? The fourth tool that we need to build a legacy is that we need to learn how to enjoy the journey. We need to learn to enjoy the journey, you guys. The joy is not just in the destination. It's not just in getting there and arriving but there's also a joy in the journey. And let me tell you this. I tell myself, if there's anybody that I'm preaching to about this today, it's me right here looking in the mirror saying, that's a funny guy right there. <laughs> Listen, I, sometimes I get so focused on the destination, so focused on reaching the destination. Sometimes I get so focused on accomplishing the task, on getting the job done that I fail to enjoy the journey. So i got to remind myself. I tell Jamie, remind me. I try to give her permission. Not that she is waiting on my permission. But <laughs> have a sense of humor. <laughs> to remind me, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. It's important to enjoy the journey. Listen, I have a dream. I have a dream to see the realities of heaven to become manifest here in Middle Tennessee. It's a big dream. But you know what? I'm not going to accomplish that dream at the expense of losing my family, at the expense of not enjoying the journey with my family. That's why every single week there is a certain uh, window of time that I fight for it to be sacred time for me to spend with my wife, Jamie. That's why I say no to certain opportunities so that I can go and sit in my son's ball game and, and enjoy the journey and cheer louder than anybody there on either side of the court. I'm cheering the loudest. Those of you that have been to the ball games with me, you're like, I'm not sure if everything that you're doing is cheering. I say it's cheering and I'm going to be the loudest one there. So you're like, he doesn't sound like he's enjoying it. I am. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> You've probably heard the saying, pray as if everything depends on God, work as if everything depends on you. And I, I like that, but I heard Pete Gregg. Uh, Pete Gregg leads a 24-7 prayer movement over in the UK. And a few years ago, I heard him add to that, and I really liked it. It stuck with me. He says... Pray as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you. And have fun along the way. We've got to enjoy the journey. If we're going to be uh, building a legacy, the fifth tool that we need is knowing that whatever it is that you want out of life, you've got to give it away. Whatever you want out of life, you've got to give it away. It's a universal law that God set into motion. It, 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 you, you can be a Christian or you can be a heathen, and the, the law still applies. You want apples? What do you have to do? You have to go sow an apple seed. You have to go plant an apple seed. You want more muscle? You want to gain muscle? Then what do you have to do? You've got to go to the gym and find resistance and work out those muscles. So if you want joy, then wherever you go, spread seeds of joy. Or if you're like Bobby Bones, you say pimping joy. <laughs> if you want peace, then promote peace. If you want prosperity, then be generous. 
We've got to understand the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, do not be deceived. In other words, hey, this is the way it works, and there's no way around it. God is not mocked. This is a law that God set into motion. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap the uh, will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, while there's breath in your lungs, while you can do anything, let us do good to all people, all people, all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Why does Paul even say that? Why does he single out your own church family? Because of what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, the world is going to know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And sometimes we just are all so worked up and worried and caught up with like little nitpicky things between our own brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to get over it, you guys. We got to build a bridge and get over it. We got to be good, especially to those who are in the household of faith. It makes me scratch my head sometimes how people don't understand this law of sowing and reaping. It makes me scratch my head how, how violent some people can be in the name of peace. Ah, I just want peace! Really? Are you sure? It astonishes me how intolerant some people can be in the name of tolerance. We've got to understand that whatever it is that we want, we've got to give it away. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If we're going to build a legacy, the sixth tool that we need is to resolve to serve our generation. We need the resolve that we're going to serve our generation. Now, when I say generation... I'm talking about generation in like the biblical or historical sense, not the cultural sense. You know, in our everyday culture, we talk about the generations and we talk about the boomers and we talk about Gen X and then we talk about the millennials and we talk about Generation Z, but that's not what we're talking about here. In the biblical or historical context, a generation is all the demographics lumped into one. It's all the ages lumped into one. It's, all, it's every race. It's every culture. It's every educational background. It's every socioeconomic background. It's all lumped into one. If there are people on this earth that are breathing right now, then that's our generation. And we need the resolve to serve all people. Everyone in our generation. Everyone. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. I love that passage. But here's a question. How is God's faithfulness going to be known to all generations? I think, I believe, that one of the ways that God's faithfulness is going to be known to all generations is by what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, 43. He said, Whoever wants to be great among you must serve the rest of you like a servant. Whoever wants to become the first among you must serve all of you like a slave. In the same way, the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve others 
and to give his life as a ransom for many people. Jesus didn't say, just serve the people that are like you. If you're a boomer, just serve the boomers. If you're Gen X, then just serve Gen X. He didn't say, just serve the people that you like. He said to serve everyone. I want to see God's faithfulness be known to all generations. How do we do that? By leaving a legacy. How do we do that? By serving our generation. And that's anybody who crosses our path. Like I said, there's a lot of other tools that we could talk about. A lot of other great things. Let me leave you this one, last one right here. If you want to build a legacy, then we've got to enlarge our circle of love. Sometimes we draw such little circles and we exclude so many people. If we're not aware, if we're not intentional, that's exactly what we'll do. We'll exclude so many people outside of our circle of love. I was just talking to somebody just the other day. And I was telling them, it is by no happenstance, it's by no chance that God brought you to be part of this church, this church family, this community. God has you here in this church on purpose for a purpose. And this person's going through some hard things right now. They're walking through some difficult things right now. So what do I do? I enlarge my circle of love. I say, here's my number. You have my number. You can call me. But you know what? I told this person, I said, you don't just need my number. You need some more numbers than my number. You need some numbers of some other godly men in our church family, in our community. And I said, you have a personal responsibility. You have a personal responsibility to press in, to get to know people. You have a personal responsibility to lean into community, to put yourself out there. But then there's this. The rest of us have personal responsibility too. The community has responsibility. We've got a communal responsibility to enlarge our circles of love and be inclusive and not exclusive. I'm so glad that God included me in his circle of love. I'm so glad that he made room for me. And I just have to ask, how many people are out there and they're walking through a difficult time right now? How many people are out there and they're confused? How many people are out there and they're hurt? How many people are out there and they're walking through hell right now all by themselves? Or they're in a community that is not promoting God's plan for their life. As a matter of fact, it's promoting an anti-plan for God's plan for their life. And I'm so glad that God included me in his circle of love. And I want to do the same thing that he did. And I want to include others in my circle of love. And I want to leave a legacy. As we get ready to close our time together. I want us to listen to the words of the late Dr. Fred McFeely Rogers. Let's watch this. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here. Some are far away. Some are even in heaven. All of us have spent
ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for your loving kindness, for your faithfulness. God, you've shown your loving kindness and your faithfulness to our generation. Now, God, we ask you for help. Holy Spirit, empower us with your power, not in our own power, not in our own accord, not with our own clever ideas, but what you want by your power, by your spirit, empower us to leave a legacy. We're so privileged, Jesus, to be part of your legacy. We're so honored that we get to to be part of your family. So Lord, help us enlarge our circles of love to make room for more. God, we thank you for those who went before us. We thank you for those who poured into us. We thank you for those who, who for, for mentors, for those who gave, those who worked, those who served so that we could be where we are today. And God, I pray that we would do our best accompanied by the power of your spirit so that the generations behind us cannot uh, start where we started, but they could stand on our shoulders. They could start at a higher place. They wouldn't have the same hangups that we have. They wouldn't have the, the same problems or issues that we have. But God, help us not live a life that's so focused on the diet, but that we would invest into the line. Help us not be so focused on self, but God, help us see the need that we have around us with others, God. 
We ask you, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come in, flip our lives upside down, wherever it is that we need that. It's our honor to serve you, Jesus. It's our honor. We don't do it out of obligation. We do it out of love, God. Because you first loved us, we now get to love you. Because you first loved us, now we get to love one another. Help us leave a legacy. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I feel far from God. I've been doing life my own way. I'm not part of the family of God, but you want to change that today. I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. Do not leave this place today without responding to the invitation the Holy Spirit is giving you right now. As he's tugging on your heart, saying, come home, come home. If you want to do that today, I just want to invite you to simply pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I give you my life. I ask you for forgiveness of my sins and I receive your forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross in his death and his resurrection. And so, Jesus, you gave your life for me and now I give my life to you. God, let me enter into your family. I want to be part of your family. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. And I thank you that that's possible because of Jesus. Jesus, I declare you as the Lord of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And now all of me belongs to you. God, I don't even know if if I understand everything that I'm saying right now. But by faith, the Holy Spirit's stirring in me to confess you as Lord. And Jesus, I, I commit, I will follow you. I will follow you. So fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me make a difference with my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just rejoice with anybody that made that decision today? It's the very first thing that you've got to do in order to leave this legacy that God has for you.